everyone. It is Ann Duffy, and here we are again at Dental Entrepreneur, the Future of Dentistry podcast. Welcome to all of you out there listening to us today. I have a special guest. We had a chance to spend some time together at the Dental Festival, and actually it was the first time I think we had some really great conversations. I got to know him really well. I said, oh, you've got to be on our podcast. I'll tell you a little bit about him. Sean is the president and CEO of Dental Peers, the premier buying community for Canadian dentists in private practice. He is also your cruise director for the Golden Girls of Dentistry Cruises, something he is hoping to restart now that he, we are learning to live in the COVID world. He has a master's degree in both law and business and has grown up around dentistry with his mom, who has been an office manager and a regional manager of one of the first, oh, of the first Canadian corporate dental group back in the 1980s, all of which gave him a background that is unique to the world of dental consulting. He recently won the Spotlight of Speaking competition at the Speaking Consulting Network 2022 conference, and as well as the international bracket for Dentistry's Got Talent at the Dental Festival this July. So you may see more of him in the near future. He is a proud dude, as well as a proud Canadian who loves winter life and, like all Canadians, is a huge hockey fan. Fun fact about Sean, he was a regular in high school theater, no surprise, hello, in his youth and has even dabbled in amateur theater when his busy schedule has allowed. In all cases, Sean has played the villain which is a surprise because he's one of the nicest guys in the industry. Please help me welcome Sean Pierce. Hi, Sean. How are you doing, Ann? I hope you're doing well today. <laughs> I'm doing just great. I'm doing just great. I just loved getting to know you uh, in Nashville at the Dental Festival. Yeah, so I mean, I know we just had one time where our paths crossed once before, I think, and this was the first time that we actually got to sit down and have a conversation. So it was really, really great to spend time with you. Well, that's interesting you say that, Sean, because, um, you know, you were so generous. I remember you've and in, in, you have introduced me to a couple of lovely Canadians and even not knowing me so well and knowing how that would go. So I just, again, you know, very generous of heart and I appreciate it. And I also know, I mean, I've been wanting to go on that Golden Girls uh, cruise, Linda Miles, uh, Chris Duvall. I mean, all so many people talk about it. So I hope that you can bring those back again in the future because it's very do-ish. And uh, there's nothing like being on a cruise with a bunch of wonderful, wonderful uh, ladies in dentistry, right? So, but first of all, this is what I found out about you when we had that chance to talk uh, in Nashville was that you were an attorney and I didn't know that. So, I mean, how did you transition from being a lawyer to operating a business buying group or a buying group for dentists in, dentist in Canada? I mean, tell us about that. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it, it's sort of the, the the legal career kind of meshed, I guess, aspects of my history. You know, of course, uh, when you're a, a young law, law student and you're living at home during the summer months and everything, you know, your mom is uh, going to get any quick legal free legal advice that she could. She was always quick when I'd come home and said, okay, I need some advice with some of this. What's going on here? So over time, then, as I got into practicing law myself, I wound up developing a little bit of a cachet of, uh, of dental clients. You know, I worked with them on uh, commercial lease negotiations, associate agreements, partnership agreements, you name it. 
So I had already developed a bit of an understanding in terms of at least the legal needs of what what uh, dentists had to be able to be, get out there and operate their their private practices effectively. This is you know back in the '90s we we didn't have the same prevalence of the corporate groups that we did now. So I, uh, I I had a good cachet going, and as I started to decide that you know I, I enjoy certain aspects of working in law, but at the same time, I find that it has this tendency to kind of pull people apart before it brings people back together. And I'm one that likes to just, you know, most of the time, you know, most little disputes can be resolved a lot faster um, than what our legal systems actually allow for. And so for me, that was a source of frustration. So I thought, what could I do that still keeps my feet in this area where I've developed a bit of knowledge, but then also allows me to, to take it in a different direction that I thought was more community building. And my mom had sort of gotten this little bit of a buying network started quite by accident. And she had around 30 or so members all in the Ottawa area up here in Ottawa, Canada. And I thought, you know, I mean, maybe there's there's a future for something like that. So I went back, got my master's in business administration because I was in my 40s. I thought, you know, you need to learn a little bit more about business before you try and actually spend some time with them. And then actually spent a little bit of time just kind of working with my mom on a coaching level to get to know the business aspects that were of concern to dentists, because it's one thing to understand their legal issues, their business issues, you know, there's some degree of overlap, but they're pretty different. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to get out there and really have myself not appear to be knowledgeable, I have to be able to talk the talk a little bit better than just what is their legal concern. So Worked on that and over time kind of gradually grew the buying group, got it back up there. Uh, like a lot of businesses, we take a hit with COVID and now we're just all looking to bounce back again. Well, that's really cool. And so are you consulting with them too, Sean, or is it just, the, is it simply, uh, you know, giving them a, a chance to get great deals on buying a collaborative effort like uh, what you've started? Is that, tell us a little bit about the, what that, how that works and how, what you do in that arena. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, most of the time, what you're doing is certainly spending time working on the pricing aspect for them and trying to trying to find the best relationships, the best deals that you can and working with with really good quality suppliers. I don't like to work in an area where I'm going to be touching upon gray market products. I want to make sure that what my members are going to get is going to be quality. So, you know, you work with with some of the best companies out there and you basically are another marketing voice for them because these are dentists in private practice. They don't have to buy everything from all of our suppliers. My job is to try to make sure that the connection is made so that they can see the value in, in some of those um, relationships and also make sure that, that, that the pricing gives them a benefit that they wouldn't be able to get on their own, not over the long term. Anyone can always match a price in the short term. The key is, is to be able to sustain it indefinitely. So that's certainly the focus. On top of that, we've done some, some management study club style meetings where we brought in office managers within the group to be able to, to, to just sort of guide them in terms of how to structure the business behind the scenes so that it's working as effectively as possible. And I've done some coaching and consulting. I mean, obviously, you can only do so much. Uh, a lot of the times what I wind up doing is I'll, I'll uh, introduce some of them to other coaches and consultants that I've developed a bond of trust with. Uh, I think you know at least one of them, uh, my sure. friend, Ju our friend Julie Friesen out, out, oh, in, yes. uh, out in British Columbia. 
Um, Love Jolie. Gosh, darn it. I haven't met her face to face just on Zoom. So I'm looking forward to changing that someday. But, you know, I mean, some of the stuff that I'll have to do is I'll introduce them to other people that can take care of them on that front. And uh, on, on top of that, through through uh, Linda Miles and and um, and her network with uh, with all kind Nancy Crossan, um, working with their group for their DIY digital consulting. So for dentists that maybe want a little bit of help, but don't want to go the full on consulting route, uh, that's another avenue that I can help promote them with and, and be a bit of a, a resource for them. It's wonderful. It's, it's, it's almost like you've got uh, the buying network is kind of like your own little DSO because you get the better pricing and you kind of bring people together and then connecting people. Uh, good people find good people, right, Sean? And I think that's, that's a, a beautiful part. It comes from your heart. That, that is one reason why your business is growing so rapidly and you have such a great reputation in the industry. Um, I know Julie's a big fan and she's, you know, it's funny how Zoom is, right? I mean, I feel like I've never met Julie in person either, but I feel like we know each other really well. And um, there's, but there's nothing like getting a hug uh, in real life, is there? There's, there's nothing like getting a hug. I completely agree. And it's, you know, Julie's just one of those people that when the two of us get chatting, um, <laughs> I always say, strap, put on your seatbelts, you know, everybody listen in because the energy level is going to go way up right now. Oh, yeah. Well, what is the biggest pain point with with individual practitioners is in regard to buying products? What what is their pro? What is what do they come to you for? You know, it's it's sometimes it's a, a function of being even aware of what other options that are that are out there. You know, they they've got so much time committed to to being in the clinic and and keeping up on top of everything from a clinical perspective. And you hear all these other things that have, are getting added to their plate from the standpoint of human resource management, of of legal concerns, of accounting concerns, of marketing, all these things that. You go back 20, 30 years, just dentists in private practice didn't give those things a second thought. They weren't really all that important. Um, and now it's about how do I balance all of this and stay on top of it? And I think the key to it is, in my opinion, is to try to make sure that you're aware of what's going on, but you don't have to know all the details. If you're going to try to do that, you're going to micromanage yourself to death, let alone your team. Yes, that is so true. I and mean, they really don't have the time to vet the products and to, to actually know what other, what's working for other people. This is just a, it just takes out all of that uh, question for them. And then you, that's your job, your, your expertise in that arena. So it's nice to lean into you and, um, and what you're providing for them. I love that. Uh, it, it, I can imagine why it is growing, but I, I also think it's just so funny because I remember when I met you or I heard about you and I, and actually your mom, you know, we had her uh, featured in dental entrepreneur woman, you know, it's like, well, why is Sean? I mean, okay, you're a guy, right? And how <laughs> did you become the cruise director? Of course, you know, uh, I think of the golden girls, uh, dentistry, but after seeing your, your talk in um, in Nashville, I could see that you would make a great cruise director, but, <laughs> but, you know, tell us a little bit about those and how they work and, and what you see for the future of the golden girls. Well, you know, certainly when, uh, if you knew my mom, um, she's a little bit like Linda Miles, not ever fully retired. They, they, they kind of have taken, you know, their toes back a little bit in the world of dentistry, but it's just, it's just such a passion for the two of them. Um, you know, they're both of similar age. We know Linda just celebrated a birthday. Um, my mom's will come up in November and they, uh, it was one of these times when Linda had announced another one of her, uh, retirements, 
um, which never fully work out for her, oh, but yeah. I think she's doing better on that now than she has in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, everyone was congratulating her. And I think my mom through Facebook sort of reached out to her and said, well, congratulations on your latest retirement. I hope it's more successful than mine. And they just conversation got going. And my mom sort of said, wouldn't it be fun if we just had a bunch of us experienced seasoned women who'd been around the world of dentistry and we got together on a cruise and and just sort of talked about what the world of dentistry needs. And I don't know that she knew at that point in time how much Linda loves cruising, but Linda jumped all over that and said, okay, absolutely. Uh, if you organize it, she'll come. So my mom's vision for that was it was going to be six or eight of, uh, ladies sitting around the pool, the nice uh, umbrella in the drink, having a good time talking dentistry. And Linda came back and said, okay, I've got 14 people lined up ready to come. I love it. I mean, that's not big, but it's bigger than what my mom sort of thought. And she thought, oh, my goodness, I don't know that I really want to be coordinating something that large because now I've got to get a few more Canadian women coming. We could have around 20 people. So she said, do you mind if I bring my son along to help just sort of administratively coordinate things? So which prompted extreme laughter from my wife, sort of thinking, "Okay, let, let me get this straight now. You are going on a cruise with a bunch of intelligent, entrepreneurial, really hardcore, wonderful women, but independent, fiercely independent women who know what's going on out there, and you're going to try to coordinate them. You can't keep me coordinated, one woman, so how are you going to do that with 19, 20 women? Uh, so that sort of became the joke, but, uh, that's, that's how it got started. And, you know, I, we, when we did it at first, we thought, okay, this might be one of those things we do once and it'll be done. And a bunch of the women had really good time. And I think they had a good time because we really kept it at a nice relaxing pace. There was time together. We were our own educators. We shared our knowledge. People that did speak got 26 minutes. That was sort of the time slot that they had. And, then there was lots of downtime. And I know from the feedback that people said, I got so much out of being able to sit down and spend two hours over lunch talking to this person I'd never met before. And and it just sort of grew. And so people said, are you going to do it again? So we had it three times. And the fourth one was all ready to go. And then we started hearing about people having, uh, shall we say, extended stays on cruise ships. Oh, yeah. Uh, locked in their rooms. And so even before things got fully shut down, I said, no, this, this isn't going to work and started making arrangements to pull the plug. I think in late February on the cruise that was set to go in late March or early April mm. and haven't done it for a couple of years. And then just recently got a couple of messages saying, so when are the golden girls cruises going to start up again? So we're starting to investigate that. I'm hopeful to be able to do it next year, but that might be a little bit tight for time frame. I do have some dates that I'm looking at, but it might be something where 2024 is a little bit more realistic. We'll put that on our calendar. My goodness, because, you know, it's so when you say that, Sean, we when we did our first do retreat, we thought, oh, that was my thing. If I get like 12 women, it would be wonderful. And then we like sell out at 100. And this is the, it. you know, Sean, you had this idea you know, even before I did of bringing women together, your mom and Linda, I love it. And it's like the pent up demand to bring women together to really talk about what is really happening, not only in the office, not only in their careers, but in their personal, personal lives, which I think women just 
you know, the, I always say the women in dentistry are so amazing. And you just said that too, they're powerful, they're fierce. And to bring powerful, fierce women together that want to share and, and collaborate, magic happens. It's just something special. So, I mean, we are on Dental Entrepreneur in the Future Dentistry here. If you are a woman in dentistry and you've been around um, for some time, and I think there's no age bracket. I mean, because I, I honestly think we can learn, like I'm, I'm in the, your, your mom and Linda's age bracket, but I learned so much from the younger women in dentistry. And, and it's really wonderful to even, you know, you could learn, you could have every age group in this, even though it's golden girls. It's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. <laughs> I, if it comes on the loop, uh, I will laugh my, uh, you know, off, uh, just watching it. And I think the camaraderie of, of those four women in that TV show, they all were different, but came together and, and, and again, made magic for television. So yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. And that's something that you can, um, post in our, um, in our do crew when we get around, I'll post it for you. And, uh, which brings me to my last question, because you, you know, I have refer to you as a dude. I, you know, even before I met you in, in uh, Nashville, I knew that you were a dude. And those are all the guys out there that, that kind of live by the principles of, of um, abundance and collaboration. And um, I just, you know, what makes you uh, want to be a dude and something that uh, you consider pretty important. So tell me about that and what that means to you. I mean, it sort of started with having a mom who worked her whole life. My mom has, uh, and, and not that there's anything wrong, obviously, with choosing to be a stay-at-home mother or, or father, whatever choice you make. I think if it works for you and your family, that's ideal. Just from the standpoint of what I grew up with, my mom worked pretty much my entire life. And I really don't recall very much of a time where she stayed at home, except for a brief time when I was very young and we moved from Toronto to Ottawa. And she just haven't found a job yet. Um, so I've always been around that kind of, of a mindset. And, and it's, it's been, it's been something that I just, I don't even think I was fully aware of it. It just seemed so normal and so natural to me. And, and it, in all honesty, it only really became something that I started to become that much more aware of when I was in law school, because then I started to appreciate like the actual power behind some of our approaches, the a power to even our language. And what it was is I had this first year university professor or first year law school professor and he was this big athletic, you know, six foot four guy. I think a lot of the women kind of, you know, when they first saw him thought, oh, I think I'm glad I'm in this class. He's kind of <laughs> cute. He was just this big bushy mustache and he, he strode across the room and like he was a guy's guy. That was your impression of this guy. He was he was a man's man. Um, and every hypothetical, you know, when you're doing law school, you're studying cases, you read and you discuss the cases and you talk about what the characters in the cases did. And then you go into what ifs. So every hypothetical, he always changed to she all the time, all the time. And, and I just sort of, I think I was maybe about six to eight weeks into school. So, and I'm thinking that's three hours of class a week six to eight weeks of my life, a total of 18 hours. And I suddenly found myself thinking, why is it always got to be a she? Why can't it ever be a he? And almost as soon as that thought popped into my head, it was followed by, uh-oh, this realization that 
for so many women who've been saying the same thing about what goes on in their lives, how how our culture, our language has also always been so dictated towards what men have to say. And, and it made me realize these are things I need to start becoming that much more aware of. I think I had an innate awareness about it, but it was kind of subconscious. Mm. And this is what sort of started to draw it out and started to make me pay attention to it a little more. And I, I look at things and I see this interesting dichotomy that we're facing in the world of dentistry now where, I mean, let's face it, um, dentistry as a profession has predominantly been female for pretty much its entire existence. It's just that it was dictated by men because the men were the dentists and they were the ones that were in power. But now we're seeing more and more graduating classes across both Canada and the United States, where at least half, if not more of them, are filled with women. And yet we still look, whether it's the state or provincial governing bodies, are still predominantly led by men. The Most of the DSOs are predominantly led by men. Most of the power structures are still held by men. And I said, not that we do we men do everything wrong, but we do things that suit us and there's a whole different world that we've been missing out on and we've had our eyes closed to and i say you know it's been great for all these years for women to break through the glass ceiling but it's time to think beyond that because in my opinion when you break through a glass ceiling you simply build a, a ceiling that's higher and that's good but it's on the same foundation so now what we need to do is rebuild the foundation and i think that's something that as dudes we can help to play a role in whether it's just by listening and learning, by championing, by by being involved. And I think that's going to be important for the women, obviously, but for the men as well, in ways that a lot of men don't necessarily fully appreciate just yet. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This I'm gonna have to share this whole podcast on on the do podcast also, because what you just said was so profound. The foundation, right? And and we need help because women in the industry are we don't, we don't want to take over the tables, the C-suites. We just want to sit there with them. And we need the help and the welcoming arms of the dudes out there. And that is, you just pretty much define what a dude is, Sean, and you are the epitome of, the, of a dude. And I thank you very much. It's someone that supports women and sees the value as, as, as equals, right? And so, and the, and also, the um, importance of bringing us together and all sitting together at the table. I have, I really appreciate that. And no wonder um, we've deemed you as a dude extraordinaire uh, in our community, which is, is really great. You know, you are so um, if you're, I, I would, I would also like to say a shout out um, to you as a speaker. And if you're listening and you have any input on getting somebody up on stage to speak, I would highly recommend you reach out to Sean. You know, it, it, now reading your little fun fact about being in theater, I get it. You're, you're very, obviously very bright, masters in business and law. Um, and, and, you know, being the son of your mom, who is just amazing. Um, you know, this, you've got a lot to offer to the audiences out there. And I just, I, I can't wait to see you more on the stage and sharing your wisdom with others. What was the, what did you speak on? Uh, and, and dentistry's got talent, give our audience a little glimpse into what your topic was. So my focus with what I presented at dentistry's got talent was the idea that we are so bound by 
fear in so many aspects of our life. And dentistry is no exception to that. And fear allows or forces us, if you will, I guess allows isn't the right word, but forces us in a way to bring certain biases into what we do on a daily basis. And sometimes what that does from the dental standpoint is we, we prejudge what our patients, what we think our patients are going to be willing to accept rather than really explore the best options for them. And my presentation was a story about a young dentist that I wound up coaching a number of years ago, one of the first clients that I had, to be perfectly honest. And she was struggling with the idea of her confidence on that front. And she specifically told this story about this elderly patient that she had, who she felt really needed full mouth reconstruction. She was struggling getting through dentures were not working for it was affecting so many facets of her health. But this going back to uh, early 2000s now, I mean, we're talking about a treatment plan that was going to cost back then about $50,000. And she, in her mind, felt it wasn't ethical to ask an elderly lady to pay $50,000 for dentistry because she's probably going to pass away statistically any day now. <laughs> and, you know, that was her mindset. And I said, valid concern. She could raise it, but you have to give her the opportunity. And when she did agree ultimately to talk to this patient about what implants and full mouth reconstruction could do for her, the question that this woman asked was, will I be able to eat steak again if I proceed with this investment? And it was about how important steak was to her, both from the standpoint of her own feeling and, and, and enjoying the food, but the memories that it brought back of her late husband and, and how she just longed to have that connection through food back with him again so that's what i what i talked about and 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 how it just completely and totally surprised this young dentist that this patient could become so passionate about something that she thought would be out of her price range oh it's so beautiful i i love that story so much because you know we sometimes um judge somebody what they're going to say and what they think and to and we hold back right on the best option. And the story that will that person will be able to tell moving forward. Um, that is just I hope if you're listening out there again, young dentist, you know, it's good, better, best, but let the patient decide. And then bring out that this story. I mean, I think she was surprised, but that is, that is the most, um, it's just such a, a tender story to think about. And something that you, a gift to give her to think of her husband and, um, and to move forward on that as well. So I, I just appreciate that so much. You sold, you told that story so beautifully. And uh, again, just really put a, a thought in everyone's uh, mind, how important it is to do our job as dental professionals and to do it well, and to do it for the patient that's sitting in our chair. Uh, love that, Sean. Well, I just how do our how do our uh, audience how does our audience get in touch with you and especially our Canadian friends? Uh, you know, uh, where do they find you, dear? <laughs> uh, I try not to be uh, too hard to find, so you can reach <laughs> out to me. My our website is www.dentalpeers.ca. So that's dental p e e r s, all is one word. Uh, people can email me that I've got a couple of options. I, my personal email is seanpeers at rogers.com, or they can send an email to sean at dentalpeers.ca. 
Uh, those are the best ways to get a hold of me. They can reach out to me by phone or text at 613-867-8502. Whatever works best for them, I'm any way that I can be of service, I'm happy to help. Thank you, Sean. You are such a gentleman, an amazing dude, and a lovely guest today. I appreciate you. And for everyone listening, remember, keep doing you. Thanks, everybody. 